When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And so right now it looks like the Bears coaching staff has rounded into shape and everybody is sitting here trying to create their own conclusions. It's so amusing to me because whether you feel that Justin Fields should be the quarterback of the future, whether you believe that Caleb Williams is the guy, you use these coaching hires to kind of justify your own position. But the truth is, and maybe this is not the truth, but we still don't know. I don't think that there's anything that you should be able to tell. There's nothing that you should be able to discern. There's not necessarily any sort of reading between the lines or reading the tea leaves or anything like that. And of course, I could be naive about this. That's why we bring Carmen Vitale on. But we'll talk to her in a little bit. We've got some other business to take care of. A lot of a lot of excellent stuff going to be happening next week in Las Vegas. I can't wait to talk about it. So, Sammy, let's just go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back, Justin Fields making magic happen, there goes Fields, touchdown! The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other, it's gonna be sick. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. And as a matter of fact, Sammy, I already went ahead and I tweeted it out. I've already got it there. So hopefully everybody coming in here uh, ready for a great show this evening. Carmen Pitale, as I mentioned, will be joining us here momentarily to be talking about a number of the Bears coaching hires. I want to talk a little bit about the Packers and the Lions, what they saw, what we saw from them uh, over the playoffs over the last couple of weeks. But do want to let you know that next week we will be all over Radio Row, and not necessarily the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank, but the entire family of the Sick Podcast. We will be there on Radio Row Wednesday through Friday, giving you kind of a look at what is happening in Las Vegas for the big game. We've got a lot of big time guests coming through. We're going to have, obviously, uh, Tyler Scott's going to be coming through. Roshan Johnson is expected to join us. Uh, we also, uh, Kwani B is owed me. For quite some time now, he's he said he said he would come on. We don't know, uh, but there's a lot of cool people. We've had AEW reach out to us, so there's a lot of interest in coming on. So we'll be doing a live stream for three days. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you'll join us. Uh, you'll be sick of me by the end of it. So, but don't worry, we'll be bringing on guests. So it won't be me just rambling for three or four hours. Uh, we will be bringing on some guests. But right now, let's bring on our co-host, as always, from FoxSports.com. It is the great Carmen Vitale. Carmen, how you living? 
Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited about Super Bowl. It's going to be so much fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. I know the matchup isn't what a lot of people wanted, but what do you think about this matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers? I kind of like it. I guess I'm in the minority. I actually picked this one. Um, but I, I think it's a cool matchup. I know there was great stories with the Lions and everything, but it still feels like a pretty good Super Bowl matchup. No, if you can get past the Chiefs fatigue and the 49ers fatigue and all of that kind of stuff, it, it is different this time around. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has different pieces to his offense that made it to the Super Bowl in 2019 and just needed to get that much better. And I think that they did with the additions like, you know, Christian McCaffrey and just the plethora of weapons that they have now. And Brock Purdy, who apparently can scramble at the end of games and get you first downs, <laughs> as we saw, as I saw in San Francisco or Santa Clara um, against the Lions. And then, I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs weren't the Chiefs this year, right? And to see them still get to this point, it, and Travis Kelsey said it uh, on his podcast today, where he's like, this, this did mean a little bit more because we had to go through a lot more to get here. Uh, and you just can never bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. You just can't. It is one of those things that you saw from the New England Patriots, not necessarily after their first three Super Bowl wins, although the second one uh, or their their third one was kind of a, a tough go for them. But even like in the in the later years, it always felt like they were accomplishing a lot, going through a lot of uh, a lot of different like ways of winning with completely different cast of characters. It feels like the Chiefs are already there. Let me ask you though. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Where do they, how soon is it? Is it too soon to start having these conversations, which are going to be inevitable next week about like, where does Patrick Mahomes rank all time? Where does Andy Reid rank all time? Is it too early to have those conversations? With Andy Reid, I don't think so at all. I mean, he has been in this league. He's what the league's oldest coach now, <laughs> yeah, which is insane now that Pete Carroll is gone um, and Bill Belichick. So I just, you, you, you have to have that conversation about Andy Reid. You can absolutely have that conversation with Patrick Mahomes under the caveat that he has so much longer to play and that mm. by the time he's done at this trajectory, you have to think that he's going to be up there with Tom Brady for being the best quarterback to ever play the game. It's going to depend on how much more I think Andy Reid coaches and who takes over for Andy and do they have the same chemistry and understanding of what Patrick can do. Uh, it's not easy. And it's something that it, it has evolved in their time together and you wouldn't want to see that stop. But I don't think you absolutely can have that conversation with about Andy Reid right now. And you should be having it right now with Patrick. You can talk about how this is just unprecedented for this kind of start to a career yeah. and that, you know, marvel at the fact he's got so much more to go. 
Yeah, so many times you have these young quarterbacks. I think Ben Roethlisberger comes to mind. If somebody and he didn't necessarily win, well, even Tom Brady was what in his second year, where we saw some immediate success, and then you know it's that longevity that really lends right. itself to this conversation of are you one of the greatest of all time? So it'll be interesting. And next week uh, we'll be able to dive into that. But I want to talk uh, before we get to the Bears coaching hires. I want to start with the Detroit Lions because some big news this week. Ben Johnson, you just wrote about this on FoxSports.com. Your two most recent articles were about the future. Or no, one of them was about Dan Campbell and about how his identity on the team. Like, listen, you live and die by Dan Campbell, and I think that's a great thing. But what came out, I believe it was today or was it yesterday, Ben Johnson staying with the Detroit Lions of anything, I think this is a great testament to the culture that Dan Campbell is building that if you didn't want to go to the commanders, fine. Seattle's a pretty good coaching job. He didn't want to go like it made it made sense last year that he didn't want to go to Carolina. Like I ended that you don't want to go work for David Tepper. Fine. Nobody faults you. Seattle's a pretty well-run organization. He turned them down. I think this is a huge thing for the Lions. Yeah, and I mean Adam Schefter talked about how his asking price spooked some teams. I actually heard the same thing. I heard that his asking price was really high because he likes the situation in Detroit. His wife likes Detroit. They have something really special. And Ben Johnson is absolutely the type to coach for a Super Bowl. And that was my first reaction when he stayed was I was like, this is the biggest testament to what Dan Campbell has built in Detroit to create a culture and something really special with this Detroit Lions team that's going to retain a guy that is facing a gigantic payday either way. I mean, even if he didn't get what he wanted necessarily, you have to think that his bump up would be double what he's making as a coordinator. I think most coordinators are around three and maybe Ben Johnson is at five. Like I think the top coordinators are probably around five mil a year. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you're a head coach, you're looking between 10, $12 million. That's a huge increase. But what you can't give Ben Johnson is a guarantee that it's going to be special and that he's going to be this close this quickly. So I am fully with you that Dan Campbell has built something that not only have his players bought into, but his coaches have too. And I really think that this is going to be the biggest factor in whether or not Detroit can run it back next year is the continuity that they now have with Ben Johnson and the fact that he continues to evolve as they add all these fun new pieces. They're going to be another hard out and this division is going to be that much tougher, but this seems like, okay, they can run it back. And that was the, that was the sentiment that I got from coaches actually right after it was announced. Uh, I, I texted a couple of the coaches and they were like, we're running it back. So like, great. It really, uh, quite honestly, it really feels that way. Like I, I know that, you know, people love to say that the Packers are the youngest team and all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, but Detroit is actually doing it. Like Detroit is getting it done. Detroit got to the NFC championship game. They won the division. They are they're If they're not, they they can't be that old of a team. Like I don't know. I look no, at their they're top, players. They're still top uh Four? ten. They're top yeah. ten, I believe, youngest. I think they're eighth. It, it was it was either the Bears, or the Lions that were eighth, and then one of them was fourth. So like I think the Bears are fourth. I think the Bears are pretty young. I think yeah, I think the Bears are fourth too. But yeah, the Lions are eighth youngest team in the league, and their core more. More, look at the guys like, like yeah, look at the guys right. who are the young guys like Amon Ross. Amon Ross St. Brown's the old guy. Well, I mean Jerry Goff, third year, yeah. or David Montgomery's a little bit older, but you still have Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, and Amon Ross St. Brown, with Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs being on rookie deals 
for the I mean Jameer Gibbs is a first round pick, so he's gonna be right. He's never Under gonna make control. He's never gonna times. he's never making money. Like that sucks <laughs> for Jameer Gibbs. Like he's never gonna make money because uh, the they'll they'll fifth year option him, then they'll franchise tag him, and then we'll be like, Okay, go sign your big money deal with the Jets, and uh we'll see you later. Um Sam Laporta, he was a second round pick, so he's got four. But still, yeah. these guys are under team control for a long time. It feels like the Lions are going to be a problem, and I believe in them a lot more because I, like I yeah. said, like they they have were, the experience now. They were they definitive, yeah. Being in the NFC Championship and understanding what that is and what that feels like, which is not something you can say about the other teams in the division, so that could yeah. give them a leg up there too. Hundred percent, you know. And there was uh, when the when the when the Lions got out to that huge lead. I was thinking to myself, I go, this reminds me a lot of the 1992 NFC Championship game. And I know you probably weren't alive for that. If you were, you were like three years old. I was. Something. I was you're three. Like, you were three years old. I was three. I was watching that because the Cowboys went up there, went to San Francisco. It was Candlestick Park at the time mm-hmm. in actual San Francisco. And they dominated that game. You know, they really destroyed. Like, they were a young team that destroyed the 49ers and then went on to win the Super Bowl. And when the 40, and when the Lions were up so big at halftime I'm like oh my god they're this is gonna happen like they're gonna win and they're gonna go on thankfully I didn't tweet any of this out because I'm like nah no, it's still the Lions you know there's still something I can't quite I can wait till the end of the game to, to yeah. this doesn't need to be out right now like at least have some common sense um and so you're like yeah but even so like this looks like a team that's gonna be around for a while what was the vibe in the locker room when you went down there I know like it had to be so because they were so close and they were up so big that it had to be terrible but at the same time you had to look at it like you guys are going to be around for a while yeah i don't think any of the guys were thinking like that though in the at the the moment or in in the moment every guy we talked to was like it hurts just the same whether or not we lost in the first round of the playoffs or we we lose now the result is the same and this stings and this is the worst loss that i've ever experienced and that was basically the sentiment in the locker room. The guys were completely despondent. And I mean, a guy like Alex Anzalone, who actually did two media scrums, poor guy. Hmm. He talked about, yes, we did accomplish a lot this year. And we need to keep that perspective because we got so much better. And there were things that this team had done that had never been done before. Winning in in Ford Field, hosting a, a playoff yeah, game in Ford cool. Field, which had never happened before. Winning the division for the first time in three decades, first time ever for the NFC North. It was, it it was really cool to see him have that perspective in that moment because so many other guys just didn't. Panay Sewell was pissed, like was just that, like literally said that shit don't matter. Whatever we did in this, in the regular season, that was a quote, that shit don't matter. And it, it oscillated, but I think out looking back on it, you know, after they have 24 hours to digest it, Dan Campbell got to the podium 24 hours later and said, I am really proud of this team. And he said that in the moment too, but yeah, you know, he, he talked about the joy that they brought the city of Detroit and how that is something that's going to stick with them that they're going to be motivated by not only for that, but like, because the loss stung, but they also have motivation because they understand what that city can be when the lions are good and they want that back again. So there's so much more motivation if that's even possible going into next season. And they're going to need it because it's going to be tougher. It is going to be tougher, but there is something about Detroit as a, a sports town. And we were talking about, I don't know if we were on the show and we were talking about this, but like the ride, like 
the great sports towns of Minneapolis and Detroit and Chicago, like when those teams are going good, like it's, it's unlike any other and it's great. And we've seen Detroit have some success, obviously with the Pistons, not recently, uh, the Red not, Wings, recently. not recently. That's not the recently. one thing that bummed me out so much. It's like, I didn't realize for the longest time. I'm like, Oh my God, the Pistons were 0 and 26 and I've been so involved in football. I haven't mm. had an opportunity to enjoy this. Like that's, that's been amazing. And when the and when the Tigers are good, that's also a lot of fun as well. Although I've, they're less charming in the new Comerica park. I heard is very nice, but it's not tiger stadium. So I'm never going to, I'm never going to acknowledge it. I'm uh, it's like somebody, it's like one of your friends who uh, got divorced and you're like, Oh, I heard your new spouse is fun, but I don't care. I like the old one. Uh, but in any, in any event, um, so the lions look poised for a great run of the future. And I don't, I don't even and when they lost, I was more bummed for them. Like I, we yeah. delighted when the Packers lost. That was that was just that was funny. Um, and for yeah, and for Jordan Love to throw with that, it was perfect. Um, but the Lions, it was kind of a bummer. They look like they're doing pretty well in the future. So it does feel like though, um, we talked. We were talking about. You've always been talking about this, like building through the lines. Like I thought that 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 first half of that NFC Championship game kind of illustrated why Ryan Poles is so intent on building through the offensive line, why he's put so many resources into that. So it also feels like the coaching staff that the Bears are putting together, it also is like, you know what? This division is going to be very tough. The Lions are going to be very difficult for a long time to come. Let's put together a pretty good staff. So if we if you if if you if we could, I want to kind of go over some of the the coaching hires. Actually the first one I want to start off with though. Uh, before we get to the offense is defensive coordinator, Eric Washington. Now this is one, like I'm a fantasy dork. So the defensive guys don't always click with me. Uh, what sure. do we, what, what do you know about Eric Washington? I thought that Matt Eberflus did such a great job at the end of last season. I'm like, dude, keep calling the plays, but right. what does Eric Washington bring? Yeah, he brings experience. He brings support. Uh, again, I think it, it speaks to a lot of the trench, the trenches and, and like how this, that uh, everything works together, right? Mm-hmm. You have the, the front that's going to work with the back end. And that's where Matt Eberflus and him can work very cohesively together. And that's what Eric Washington is there to be because, yeah, he's not there to call plays. Matt Eberflus is going to continue to do that. He's going to continue molding this defense in his image, in the image of his system. But uh, that's where Eric Washington is going to come into play and, and, and be a support for him. Um, take some of that stuff off his, off his plate during the week, especially that's how these things work is you develop a game plan and stuff like that. And a guy that's a defensive coordinator that is not calling the plays is there to take work out off of the head coach's plate. So he can be the head coach and he can be the defensive play caller. So that's what you're getting. Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. Like we need somebody to do the clerical stuff. Like I'm, I know what that's like. Like sometimes I'm like, I can't be bothered with certain things. That's why, that's why Sammy is so helpful in my life. Like there's just thing I'm just not good at. Uh, I can sit here in front of a microphone and talk, but all the technical things, putting these banners up, uh, going through questions. I need Sammy in my life. So I, I appreciate that. Offensively is the one where, you know, everybody's talking about because of the current situation of the Chicago bears, whether it's going to be Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, or perhaps Drake may whomever it might be at quarterback for the bears. Some of the hirings were significant. Shane Waldron is a guy that I like mostly because of what he's done in Seattle with Geno Smith having two career years. But in addition to that, he's been a well-respected coach over the last number of years. One of the, one of the most sought after coordinators. 
was this the best guy on the market, so to speak? It feels like the premier, like he was the premier prize for all the uh, offensive coordinators who were hired in this recent cycle. Shane Waldron was absolutely the most highly touted offensive coordinator because he had been an offensive coordinator for the last couple of years in Seattle. And that that means that the Chicago Bears had to pay for that experience. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. the fact that they did. Because when you have a defensive head coach, you need experience on the other side of the ball. You need someone with play calling experience. They rolled the dice with Luke Getze, who hadn't had that experience. And we saw how that worked out. So you had to do something different. And I really commend the Bears for doing that and also going to get a guy true to Ryan Poles' word that has been able to tailor his offenses using the same basic principles to different quarterbacks. And we saw that in L.A. with Jared Goff when he was their pass game coordinator and then between Russell Wilson and then into Geno Smith. And he's responsible for this resurgence in Geno Smith's career. Also, his system is so well-rounded. This is a guy that really pays attention and emphasizes this power run game, but can marry it so well to the pass game, the play action. He does so many different things. And he plays that chess that I think I've oh, I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a lot when a lot of people are playing checkers. I think that's the difference between good co- great coordinators and okay coordinators. Is there's a difference between calling plays and calling a game. Shane Waldron can call a game, and he yeah. can set you up for different things using the different looks, using the different aspects to his offense. That is why I was so excited about this hire. I went on Chicago television and and proclaimed how proud I was of the Chicago Bears for making this hire because I just think no matter who is under center, That's right. it's going to be good. There was, you know, it's funny because Brock Heward was running around telling people that he didn't commit to the run enough. And looking back on it, and again, a lot of this comes from fantasy experiences like they did pretty well. Like with the running backs over the last couple of years, like I did, I never thought like, oh, Seattle's ground game's terrible. I thought he did a nice job of right. establishing the run with that. Look team. at Kenneth Walker's numbers. That's what I mean. Like, rookie, he's rookie year, he went over a thousand yards. He got close this past year. And then and you have guys like Zach, Zach Charbonnet, right? Yeah. Who was like the secondary guy, but still got a really good look, both as a running back out of the backfield, catching passes out of the backfield. He got, I think, had like 300 receiving yards. And then yeah. on top of that, had the run, had the run game as well. So I'm like, I, what are you talking about? Hold on one sec. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. That's no, okay. Somebody's stopping in. Another thing too. Everybody's that people, stopping in. No, you know, every listen. That's you're at obviously you're at work. I get the Nobody I get the same asked. thing whenever I'm at the uh, NFL Network studios. Like people just pop in, say hello. You're like, do you not see the can? No, but you know, and also like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett each had. 100 plus targets and you saw them able to support jackson smith and jigba at the end of the season too so people like the where were these i'm like okay still like geno smith was still their quarterback so i mean like they they got 100 targets but like that's not on like that's not the coaching staff like they're drawing up plays for them they're getting opportunities and that's what we want to see because we anticipate obviously with dj Moore, there was going to be a number a number two wide receiver whether we draft one whether we sign one there's going to be a number two guy that we uh, are going to sign and uh, support everything like that. So, uh, so we love Shane Waldron yeah. and also, you know, you, you got to love this too, is that um, we didn't take Arthur Smith. Like if, if for anybody who has a problem with what the bears did, put yourself in Pittsburgh situation where Arthur Smith 
was the guy that they decided upon. Like that, I don't know if, if four years ago, Derrick Henry's going to show up and that'll change things. Who knew? Maybe that's uh, that Najee Harris has a bounce back season or something like that. But in any event, I'm interested though in this thing with the passing game coordinator. Mm-hmm. Now, Thomas Brown comes in and it's curious to people because Carolina didn't necessarily light it up. But- with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But a lot of smart people, not me, but a lot of smart people were saying this was one of the low-key best moves uh, of the season. What, what do you think of this move? I mean, he was well-liked also in, in L.A., which is where he overlapped with Shane Waldron. And there's a lot of dysfunction in Carolina. I just don't think that you can use that as any sort of benchmark to evaluate someone's performance when everything was so dysfunctional. So I'm yeah. not I'm not necessarily – I don't – I'm not going to hold that against Thomas Jones. No, and never. Honestly, I really appreciate having a guy that – again, has all of this experience that Shane Waldron has now brought in because not only him, but you have other pieces that are now coming over from Shane Waldron's time in Seattle. And you have other guys that are coming in that have the experience because that staff was let go. And Mm. ironically, you have Dave Canales now as the head coach in Carolina, who's also poaching guys from that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this is a it's Thomas Jones is a guy from the from this McVeigh system that Shane Waldron comes from also, and again he can just streamline everything. And you want to see the Bears develop a receiver. I think I think you would love to see them draft a guy with that number nine pick. Uh, in would in which case you're getting a guy like Malik Neighbors or yeah. someone of the like. And this is a guy that has been able to prove that he can develop those guys. And so I just, again, it's the experience for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, experience, experienced guys. And uh, I do, you know what, the more we go into this, um, I really do believe the bears are going to jump ahead of Tennessee and take John Alt. Uh, because Tom Jones. Jones. I think I was, I, I kept talking. You're, about, you're saying like, Tom Jones. It's Tom Brown. I know. You know. I know. Because, I know like, Thomas Bears, Jones. It's fine. Running back. With, with bears, with, blah, 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 blah. S- if anybody's, though, up, if anybody's upset about that, stop it. It's fine. I know, we know, I know what I'm you sorry. meant. I know what no, you but meant. Thomas Brown also has experience with running backs yeah. um, and, and tight ends too, which that's another thing. I think that tight end coaches make really good coordinators. Yeah. And like Chuba Hubbard actually did really well like, at the end of the season. I know it's not a coordinator, but yeah. No, I agree. And like, again, you can't hold anything against anybody for what happened in Carolina last year. So I liked it. 
Um, I do like um, the the quarterback coach. I kind of wanted a Harry guy. Joseph. Yeah, I kind of wanted a guy who like a bigger like NFL name, like McCown or somebody like that. But Kerry Joseph seems like a pretty good. That seems like a, I know he's a CFL quarterback, um, right. but he's got again. He comes in with a lot of experience. I think he's going to be very useful for whomever the quarterback is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was in Seattle, too, with Waldron. He was the assistant running back or wide receivers coach, rather, and assistant quarterbacks coach. And so, again, you have like this spherical knowledge, which is the same thing with Thomas Brown. You have this spherical knowledge of the offense in that in that way, which I really appreciate because, again, I just think it makes everything so streamlined and cohesive uh, and the experience where now, like you see, Shane Waldron can rely on guys that he knows and guys that he's comfortable with. Um, and guys that were available only because that staff got fired and only because, you know, it, and it wasn't even really like it was a mutual parting of ways. Right. It wasn't there, were, there wasn't a lot of bad blood. Um, and I think that there's a lot of good pieces on that Seattle staff. And so I'm glad that the Bears got the guy in Shane Waldron. And I'm glad that Shane Waldron has enough experience that he's overlapped with all of these kinds of guys. You know, and if, if things don't and if things don't work out, you know, uh, I know a head coach who could probably slide right in and keep a lot of these guys on staff. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think I think Pete's retired. I know a lot of. Oh, by the way, a lot of Charger fans uh, were telling me like, "Oh, Pete Carroll's going to the Chargers," and I'm like, "I guarantee you, he's not going to the Chargers." Um, and of course, they ended up with Jim Harbaugh. That's a whole. I was going to say that was like that was a foregone conclusion for so many days, weeks. But as soon as like Michigan won, I feel like. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there. I know that a lot of bear, like draft Dr. Phil and everybody, we had kind of held out hope. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I always felt with Kevin Warren. I'm like, I don't think that he wants Jim Harbaugh. Like, I, I don't know. Like, that was just my personal. I would have loved Jim Harbaugh. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to root for him in Los Angeles. But, you know, the pipe dream is over. He's a Chargers coach now. Our coaches, though, and I mentioned this in the cold open. Is there anything to discern? by the coaches like i know like the mm. like whatever it feels like whatever side you're on in this quarterback battle you're like oh this just shows i know they're, they're leaning this way but are the bears yeah. tipping their their hand one way or the other i don't i don't think so and that was that was the other thing too where i've we saw ryan pole say i'm going to prioritize a guy that can tailor his system to whatever quarterback we have i'm gonna when he, when i bring these guys in i'm gonna present them with a bunch of different options and i want to hear their plan for every single option yeah. that seems like it was it, it came to fruition and that was true because you've seen a guy like shane waldron work with different quarterbacks although i will say that russell wilson geno smith they're probably more in line with a guy like caleb williams who they're mobile and, but they're not necessarily a running quarterback like Justin Fields is. Uh, that being said, I, I I think that Shane Waldron is fully capable of exploiting that, given the fact that he does emphasize the run and he has this power run game that everything kind of feeds off of and builds off of uh, in his offense. So I don't think they're tipping their hand and they don't have necessarily any sort of reason to. Um, given the fact that they already have their offensive coordinator and offensive staff filled out, I, I don't know. I mean, having a passing, ha having a passing game coordinator that's worked with both running backs and tight ends, Shane Waldron loves tight ends. That's how he does a lot of his, a lot of his play action comes off of multiple tight end sets. He loves yeah. doing that kind of stuff, at least, at least recently. That's what he did with Gino in Seattle. So like, I totally understand having a passing game coordinator that has that type of background, having a quarterback's coach that has, experience with both receivers 
and quarterbacks. I don't think that tips your hand in any way, shape or form either. So I, it, I think it's just a really well-rounded staff and I appreciate that. Yeah. There's, you know, when you look at the tight ends, Seattle's run out there with like Will Disley and Luke Wilson and those kind of players, you're like, Cole Komet's going to be a huge upgrade. And when Shane Waldron was hired, I'm like, see, they're trading for Kyle Pitts. No, they're not. Um, just throwing that. I do, I do think that they're going to end up getting another tight end, though, whether that's in the draft or whether they go 100%. after one free agency, they're going to end up getting another one. Mark my words. Everybody lost their mind because I said, would you accept a similar type package to what you got for Bryce Young last year from Atlanta? Um you would probably need more picks because Caleb Williams is a more valuable commodity, I feel. But I'm like, instead of DJ Moore, you would have Kyle Pitts. And then people are like, we already have a tight end. I'm like, we can run 12 personnel. And Kyle. And Shane Waldron is going to run 12. He'll right. run some 13 too. Right. And Kyle Pitts isn't necessarily a tight end. You know what I'm right. saying? He's, like, a, he's, he's, not, a he's not Gronk. He's not throwing a block or anything like right. that. So let's pump the brake. We could have Cole Komet and Kyle Pitts. I think we do very well. And it was fun too. Like when they went through that whole thing, I love that they bring in Cliff Kingsbury and people are like, ah, and then he's like, we're also bringing in Greg Roman. You're like, Greg oh. Roman. Again, no, like, ah, like, like, I thought that was so sad. I, I, I loved what polls did there where he's like, I want to bring in like, yeah. So like, again, not tipping his hand. All his faces, doing doing, doing his due diligence. Just seeing what's going on. It's, right. um, has your mind changed? I, again, I've said this before, and I'll say it time and time again. Fans, the majority of fans love Justin Fields. But again, as I continue to explore and talk about it, and we'll talk to more people in the Super Bowl uh, next week, it feels like the personnel people who have either who have worked in the league or currently work in the league still favor the Caleb Williams option. Do you still get that sense? Yep. Uh, everybody I have talked to that works, that is some sort of NFL evaluator, whether that's you know, a pro personnel guy or a, an area scout even, or coaches, uh, assistant GMs. I mean, you name it, I've talked to them. And every single person I've talked to across the league is like, I, I, it, I don't think it's a choice. Like, yeah. it's not a decision to make. It's you absolutely start that contract over and you the chances of Caleb Williams or even if it's Drake may of them being worse than what you've gotten out of Justin Fields already is slim to none. And it's all, there's only a ceiling, uh, a higher, they, they believe a higher ceiling is what I've heard. Um, And that hasn't changed. That has been why my opinion that that is, informed my opinion of what the bears should do. And if Justin Fields has been the guy and it's why I've been kind of steadfast in, it's not even if you really believe in Justin Fields, there are so many other factors that factor into this. And that's why many people who work in the league, who know how the sausage is made is like, this isn't a decision. This is, this is absolutely your path. You, you were in such a unique situation with being able to draft a quarterback first overall in a really strong quarterback class while not having, again, a roster that warranted it. You have a really good situation for a young quarterback. And now that you have the offensive staffing pieces in place who have proven to be able to adjust to quarterbacks and kind of bring them along and develop them. And you see, again, the career resurgence in Geno Smith. I I don't, again, I, I think that just reaffirms, it doesn't tip the bear's hand, but I think it reaffirms why, this could work in Chicago this time and why this time would be different, I guess. Yeah. Trade fields, trade the number one pick, bring in Baker Mayfield. 
Oh, there, there. That See, makes sense. It's there. the Bucks let him go. That's, it's the Bucks galaxy go. brain. That's galaxy brain right there. Let's get crazy. Let's like, like we're all about team building. You want to go comp- like that would reset. That would that would reset the clock and do all that stuff. I don't know. Again, the uh, the opinion I get. I'm with. I'm. I'm not. I still believe in Justin Fields. I do. I will mildly push back too and say that Justin Fields is a pocket passer who has not been. He can run. He's just really good at it. It's like yeah. It's like. You know, Hugh Jackman could have been a singer. Like he could front erasure or something like that. But it's like you're also a really good actor. But he's ultimately an actor, but what whatever. Um I see both again, we've talked about this plenty of times. But I, I just wanted to say that there's been nothing over the last couple of weeks that's changed the opinion of people in the league who truly yeah. believe that the Bears will restart. I'm not advocating it. Carmen's not necessarily advocating it. Mm-hmm. We're just telling you what we hear. And there's not a lot of, there's not, there's not a lot of personnel people out there who are like, no, 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 Justin, like, no, it's usually like the former players. Uh, it's the fans obviously, but for me, like you never, like it's, it's rare to talk to somebody who's like, Hey, I'm a former GM. Keep this doesn't happen all that often. Um, but also doesn't happen all that often over the last couple of weeks. We haven't taken a lot of questions. Do we have, I know we got to get Carmen out of here soon. Do we have a time for a couple of questions, Sammy? What is going on in the world? Uh, there you go. Sammy asked them what they think of Trace Armstrong being the agent for our quarterback, head coach, and offensive coordinator. Uh, does that make Trace Armstrong the de facto general <laughs> manager? I, You know what? Yeah, what is what is up with that? No, I mean, that's how this business works. You can almost always find a connection like that when you have people that were put together, especially uh, with people that, that didn't have any prior relationship to each other, like Poles and Eberflus did not. Um, that's something that happens behind the scenes all the time, but it's my understanding that they're athletes first. Like that's where, that's where Trace belongs. That's, that's his agency, which is a gigantic agency, by the way. It's one of the biggest sports agencies or NFL sports agencies, um, in the league. So it's not weird necessarily. And again, that's just how business is done, especially when you don't necessarily have these guys bringing in who they would have brought in because Matt Ibrifluss did that with with Luke Getze and it didn't work. Yeah. So now they need to go in a different direction. And it's not like Matt Ibrifluss has just like coordinators ready to go uh, necessarily. It's it's about what's best for the team and stuff like that. So th- that that's all of like the backdoor stuff at the combine, the back room stuff at the combine. Yeah. Like that's where, that was where all of those conversations stem from. It's not weird. And it also doesn't give... Trace Armstrong any sort of say in what the Bears do go- going forward. I mean, this yeah. is this is the decision of Ryan Poles, Matty Rufus, Kevin Warren, of personnel, of, of players, um, all that kind of stuff. So I just I don't that, that's not that's not a GM. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna have say in like what players necessarily. Although that being said, uh, I, you definitely have a little bit more exposure to players that are part of athletes first. Uh, I know Notre Dame, they, they, they heavily, they have a large Notre Dame uh, mm. pipeline that athletes first does. They do. So that's like, honestly, if you guys want like a little peek behind the curtain, even more chase Claypool is athletes first. Oh, that explains it. He's a Notre Dame guy that uh, has that is repped by that agent. There was at least last year. I don't know if he's changed agents or anything like that. But if you wanted to know a little bit more behind the curtain, that that had something to do, I'm sure, with the Bears. 
Interesting. Uh, ending up signing Chase Claypool. And Cole Komet, you know, is he probably Cole athletes, athletes, first? athletes first? No, Cole there Komet it is. No, it's all starting to come together. Mike Stonebreaker. Very little secrets. There it is. Mike Stonebreaker ends up being our linebackers coach. You'll know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a lot. Mike Stonebreaker was a long time ago Notre Dame linebacker, folks. Mm. Um, sorry, that was too obscure. I was I was on with the Sklar brothers earlier today, who they're more age appropriate for me, so I can make those kind of jokes, and they would they would be howling because uh, that's you know their timeline. But in any event, how about another question, Sammy? Uh, question to Carmen: Can the Bears win the North with Williams in twenty twenty four? I'm assuming Caleb Williams. Yes, I'm assuming that that as well. <laughs> uh, they can absolutely challenge for that spot. I again, it it's hard to predict something like that with a young quarterback. You don't know how he's going to take to the coaching staff. Uh, you don't know what kind of baggage he necessarily comes in with. Uh, I have heard that Caleb Williams' dad is really hard to deal with, <laughs> and so there's all these external factors and stuff that can dictate how well a guy adjusts to the league, especially early. Um, I, I, I think that this division is wide open because it has gotten so much tougher. Um, But I think the bears have a good roster. I think they have a really sneaky, good roster. And any, again, I keep saying this coaches that had just played them, I would text them and be like, Hey, what did you think about the bears? And sometimes even unprompted, I would have coaches texting me. Bears have a really good roster. Bears are really good. They're really sneaky. They're really good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Bears would probably be more like two years off from really contending for the division, just given how many strides the Packers have made. Obviously, the Lions have all the motivation in the world. And then don't discount the Vikings either with the defense on top of if they do get Kirk Cousins back or they figure out what's happening under center, they still have a very potent offense and a really good play caller to go with that defense. So barring any catastrophic injuries again, I mean, Minnesota is not going to be an easy out either. So it's just, it's going to be a really fun, really tough division. I'm but. discounting the Vikings. I'll go ahead and go on record. I, uh, I also don't believe in the Packers, the lions. I will give you um, Packers got to prove it to me. They, they got, they got some breaks uh, along the way. And uh, then it all, then it all came crashing down, but in any event, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I do believe in the roster that the bears are putting together. And when you talk about Caleb Williams, I know the obvious comparison that a lot of Bears fans will make. Well, like, look at last year. Like, CJ Stroud did it. That division was a little bit more wide open. Was, right. That was a that was a we- complete meltdown by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't I don't think that winning, even though that that person did not ask, did not ask me, he asked you. Um, I think the Bears being a playoff team is absolutely attainable. Winning the v- division is going to be a little bit tougher because the Lions are going to be so good. All right. Um, we're going to get you out of here. Uh, thank you so much, Carmen, for stopping by. We got, we're going to stay on for a few more minutes. We're going to let you go. Thank you for uh, being here with us. We uh, yeah. continue to enjoy your work. We're looking forward to seeing you next week in Las Vegas. And once in again, we'll be, we'll be doing our live stream Wednesday through Friday. It's going to be a lot of me, but uh, we're also going to have some great <laughs> guests like Carmen on. So we uh, look forward to seeing her there. Carmen, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you in Las Vegas. Sounds good. See you next week. We'll see you then. There she goes. The great Carmen Vitale. Make sure you check her out on foxsports.com. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, her two most recent articles were on the Detroit line. She's been covering the, the NFC North for the playoffs. And of course, with two teams in the playoffs, great recap of what the Lions did and what the Packers did over the last couple of weeks. Want to let everybody know, though, when you're looking for a place to watch the Super Bowl, 
might I suggest Game Room Chicago, one of the best places to watch sports in the entire city of Chicago. It features billiards, shuffleball, ski ball, uh, pop a shot, and so much more. And there is plenty of space to watch your favorite game, including the big game. Go check out the website and see what kind of specials they're going to have on the Super Bowl. Reminder, they do have a menu featuring Michelin-starred chef Mari Katsumura's snack foods. There are beer towers, a weekend Bloody Mary bar, and shareable signature cocktails. Game Room Chicago is the place to be for the Super Bowl. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun for anybody who's going to be watching as we root for Kansas City or San Francisco. I don't know who. I, I know there's some people... Who uh who are big in the 80s, who still harbor a lot of resentment for that San Francisco 49ers organization. As a matter of fact, if you ever think back to this, if you're old enough to remember William the Refrigerator Perry, the whole thing with William Perry got started because of the 1984 NFC Championship game where the 49ers were playing host to the Chicago Bears. Now, the Bears in that game were without Jim McMahon. So it was very tough. And the 84 49ers were a very good team, but we didn't have Jim McMahon. And then that game became a blowout. And then Bill Walsh, who everybody just lauds is like this classy guy, like put Guy McIntyre in the backfield in a blowout against the bears. And that pissed off Mike Dicka. So the following season, when they got William, the refrigerator Perry, he's like, Oh, I'm going to do the same thing, but he did it against the Packers. And then he started running him on the goal line. And then if you want to take this a step further, you could actually ascertain that part of the reason Walter Payton didn't get a Super Bowl touchdown while they went to William Perry on fourth down was because of what Bill Walsh did with Guy McIntyre. And so uh, if you want to believe in conspiracy theories that date back well over 30 years, there it is. I just threw it out there for you, uh, which, you know, I think some of you might not be rooting for the 49ers, not necessarily because of that, but because of the 80s. And their rap video. I don't know if you've ever, nobody ever knows this. The 49ers also put out a rap video during the 1980s. And they were kind of dismissive of the Bears, uh, where they were like, we're the team of the 80s. They're like, well, who had the best team of all time? It was the Bears. Everybody everybody knows this. Nobody disagrees with that. The, the 85 Bears were the best team of all time. Everybody agrees. The 49ers were the team of the 80s. The Bears had the greatest team in NFL history. Everybody knows this. Uh, their rap video, the 49ers rap video, uh, was terrible. So I don't know what I'm saying, but that's the Super Bowl. So we got that going on. Uh, and once again, just to remind everybody next week, uh, a lot of cool stuff is going to be happening. So if you are sitting there, you're missing out, you want to know what's going on in Las Vegas, just check out this channel. Uh, we'll be talking about that's right, the sick podcast live from Super Bowl 58. It is such a cool thing. If you've never been, to the Super Bowl, if you've never been to one of these events or anything like that. So at Mandalay Bay, one of their convention centers, they're going to have the, the big media, they have the, what they call the media center, Radio Row is going to be there. So a lot of a lot of radio people are going to be there. Uh, and big time names too, like national radio people. Jim Rome usually is there, huge set and everything like that. It's really cool. And you run into people like that. And if you're a, a radio geek like I was growing up, then you really like freak out and you see all the like, Oh, there's, there's Howard Baskin or whomever it is. You know, the guys that you see in the NFL 100 videos and stuff like that, or the NFL top 10 videos from NFL films. So there's a lot of that stuff going on and it's really cool. And like, you know what? People are going to be out there, like not saying that Oscar De La Hoya is going to be on the show, but like Oscar De La Hoya is like his reps will put out a thing like, Hey, Oscar's out here promoting his series on Netflix or whatever it is. Do you want to come on? Like, this is the one time where like, 
these these celebrities are begging to come on with you because they have something to promote. And so it's always kind of a lot of fun. And you get like these odd, like um, these odd, like, you know, I I would never have a reason to talk to Drew Brees, but he's here for Tide. And so you sit here and you talk to Drew Brees for eight minutes and then he pitches the Tide pods and then he's off on his way. So expect to see a lot of people like that stopping by. So we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a good time. We'll have some stories. Uh, I expect Sam to be getting out. No, Sammy will not get out of control in Vegas. His father, Anello. That's another story. But in any event, uh, we'll have a lot of that cool stuff going on. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We look forward to seeing everybody next week. Please tune in. You won't be dis- you you might be disappointed, but you probably shouldn't be. Lower your expectations. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of this stuff. So thanks to everybody who tuned in. We'll see you next week live from Las Vegas. Until that time, uh, bear down. And Sammy, let's go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.